0: Hello, Tekla ninjas! You are listening or watching Tekla podcast. Uh, we are where we are all about the practical knowledge how you can raise Tekla efficiency and on the other hand also minimize project mistakes. Uh, today we have in our episode um, UPB company, UPB representatives, and uh, UPB is uh, one Latvian company uh, who is uh, all that is almost uh, 30 years old already, it's a company that was uh, is since uh, 1991, they are doing integrated solutions for complex constructions for steel, concrete but also aluminium facades with glass so, if Tekla is good and, and we know about steel and concrete, then aluminium facades is, uh, I can say, that totally different uh, level. Uh, they are doing design, engineering, production, uh, logistics, transportation, and even assembling or installation. Uh, they have almost 200 engineers and in uh, 10, uh, 2019 the company turnover was uh, about 210 million euros. Of this of this uh, turnover about uh, 60% went to export uh, to uh, 35 different uh, countries so it's quite a lot of uh, they are doing a lot of exporting. And uh, one interesting fact about the company is that, they have even their own research concrete research center today uh, we have two guests from this company the first one is uh, Artis Aistrauts uh, he is head of the research and development in UPB and his background is more about the re- doing the research he has phd degree and he has published more than 20 publications and uh, he likes to share his knowledge in universities and colleges. Our second guest is Janis Goldmanis. And he has uh, a lot of uh, practical experience, more than uh, about nine years. He started as a structural engineer, as many of us, and now he's a development project manager at uh, the same company UPB. And I would say that it uh, looks like his superpower or skill is a uh, grasshopper that uh, he's he has picked up. So welcome guys. What softwares did you try? When, when tr- uh, why did you start with the Tecla structures? And uh, what other softwares did you try also? Or what you're using?
1: So uh, we started using Tecla uh, a long time ago. Something like 15 years ago. Yeah, something like 15 years ago. And uh, there's not many employees uh, still working from this time, uh, but uh, uh, from talking with them, there were two main things. Um, so before we started, uh, we start, we started using Tekla. Uh, all of this design was done in uh, AutoCAD, 2D DVG. And uh, there were two things that uh, we needed to improve. Uh, first of all was design accuracy, um, how correct the design was uh, without mistakes. And the other thing was design speed. Uh, the, the design accuracy was very important because, as you mentioned previously, most of what we do is export to Scandinavia. And it is very uh, costly to fix design mistakes on site, where all of your resources are in Latvia, but you're actually working you know, on site in Sweden. And uh, working in Tecla in this uh, 3D beam. Uh, it ensures that you already check uh, for clashes in your model. Uh, instead of uh, when working in 2D-DVG, you check for clashes in your mind. Does it uh, everything fit together? And Tecla li- ensures that it is uh, much more correct. And uh, the other thing, of course, is the design speed, uh, where at the time we were doing a lot of uh, a large parts with uh, steel, uh, prefabricated steel construction. and. Uh, Tecla is very, very good for this. Uh, the main reason is this uh, numbering system. that Tecla uses where you can simply model everything as you require. And Tecla afterwards does the numbering and tells you which which parts are the same. So you are able to uh, quickly reduce the amount of drawings necessary. Be- before that, when working with two d uh, DVGs, you were basically you were driving, uh, you were creating assembly drawings for each beam. And then this each beam. Uh, had a unique set of parts, and you didn't check, is the next beam uh, the same single part drawings or they are different. You are simply making them as unique parts. And uh, from experience, uh, tech has solved both of these issues, uh, heavily improved design speed as well as accuracy at the same time. Three years ago, we were also choosing what software to use for our facade division. Uh, previously, it was also uh, still lagging behind the same 2D DVG. Uh, but the projects were becoming uh, uh, more complex with each project, where in 2D DVGs, they were simply becoming unmanageable. And we were in investigating is Tecla also good enough for this solution? We also compared with uh, some other softwares like Revit and SolidWorks. And we chose Tecla because um, Tecla proved. Uh, to us that um, we are capable of, at the same time, uh, creating very large models, but also very detailed models. That uh, these uh, curtain walls, uh, they are much more complex than any steel or precast project you could imagine, and Tecla was still capable of handling these projects. While in other softwares, they were either lacking the level of detail, or they were lacking the scale of the project, the size of the projects were not manageable in them.
0: Uh, can you tell or do you remember how was uh, starting, uh, how was the beginning when you started using teclostructures? structures?
1: Inefficiency, <laughs> I think it can be described with this one. Uh, uh So we were starting in uh, two different eras. Where the first era where we where we were just starting it uh, with precast and steel, and uh, it took, it took a lot of uh, internal trial and error figuring out how to even work with this software, uh, since uh, I think only a few people uh, did some official training. And there were, there were not any like, internal uh, structure how to uh, give this knowledge to others. And it was slowly like everybody was at the same time figuring things out. Uh, how to work with templates, how to work with, how to even model simple things, how to create drawings and so on. Uh, but uh, over time, over the years, uh, we have figured all of these things out. And now, when three years ago uh, we were uh, implementing Tecla in our aluminium uh, curtain walls, uh, I would say it was much faster. We, all, we already knew all of the Tekla basic functionality and we simply put together a team. In this team, there were experienced Tecla users, and there were experienced facade designers. And together, uh, we made different iterations of uh, proposals how we should model uh, facades in Tecla. It uh, it took something like three iterations of models uh, where with each model, we revised the approach. uh, What tools and how we are doing this modeling. But in the end, it took only three projects, uh, roughly nine, ten months to figure out the best method, how how to do it um, in Tecla, these facades.
0: If if you would start a new company today, or if somebody, some listener is planning to start, then uh, what do you recommend? What steps to take or, or what mistakes to avoid? Maybe uh, does, it, does it starts with uh, Drawing automation, creating tools, thinking the planning Or what, how would you start to recommend to start?
1: I would say that uh, if you're just starting, uh, don't try to automate everything at the start. Uh, It's definitely helps if you have some expert consultant that can show you the possibilities, but you should on your own first learn the basic things, how tech actually works. And only after you have learned all of the basic things, uh, which can take, um, for, for some it is very quick, for some it, took, it could take a little bit more time, but after you have learned the basic things, then you move towards more advanced things like uh, creating custom components already. And uh, after you have mastered that, then again, uh, jump to a higher level to parametric custom components. And afterwards, the highest level could be that you are uh, using Grasshopper scripts or creating your own applications, plugins, but uh, definitely try to master a more basic step before moving to a more advanced step. And uh, because if you leapfrog, uh, you will simply, you will definitely do something incorrectly, but uh, as well, if you have this expert consultant, uh, he could immediately point out your things that you are possibly doing wrong when you have leapfrogged in a way that you haven't mastered some of the basics.
0: You mentioned about the different kind of uh, automation and doing uh, developments. Uh, It can be drawing automation. there can be custom components, there can be grasshopper, there can be uh, open API developments. So, What kind of developments uh, have you done or what do you see that is uh, helping you
1: we have um, made an internal system so that uh, for our typical products, for example, for precast wall panels, there is a set of components that you need to use. And we have a like organized system that um, when a user needs to do something with a wall panel, he already knows uh, which components he needs to use. There's a preset uh, set of attributes that everything simply happens and he is on, uh, he's simply transferring the data and the first step that majorly helped us was creating this organized system that uh, for any task there's some kind of uh like uh, component that does it and of course for you, you can't make components for everything but you can easily uh organize something like 80% of your scope so that uh, the the tasks are always repeating um, and this was the first step that uh, when you look at, when you uh, look at one single element, uh, it is everything can be uh, done parametrically. And now the next step, uh, what we are currently working on, and I would say it's something like seventy percent already done, is working for the whole model. If we can figure out things, uh, we know the steps that we need to do for one single element, we can automate. Doing the same steps uh, at the same time for thousands of elements. And we simply need to recognize if we look at the model, uh, what are this uh, what which is the scope? What are the eighty percent that we can automate? And we are now creating the tools uh, that can easily help us find these eighty percent and uh, show the users what is automated and these tw- other twenty percent that still need to be done manually.
0: that's that interesting. Uh, you mentioned about uh, this last step about uh, doing this kind of uh, automation, not only to one element, but uh, for looking entire project and doing for everything. Um, Can you give me some tips I think you have used uh, also for this task, uh, Grasshopper, or how you managed to do it, how you are approaching it?
1: So uh, why is the Grasshopper is often mentioned that uh, it is a tool that can, uh, uh, within which you can quickly Try out your ideas. It is uh you can quickly uh, create a uh, a concept solution that is may- it is maybe not a foolproof, but it shows that it could work. And if we know that it works, we are afterwards making these ideas as an applications. And so, for example, the first idea was that, um, something like uh, five years ago. Um, engineers, modellers, they need to add lifting anchors to the wall panels. What was the no, uh, usual work was that uh, they inquired the Teclas cast unit and read the weight property, how much this panel weights. And then on calculator, uh, they calculated what is the necessary uh, uh, resistance of the anchor uh, by simple formulas. And then they were looking at the catalogs and finding the relevant anchor and inserting this anchor in uh, tackle, And then uh, the first step. Uh, to solve this process was creating custom components for anchors in Tecla so that users already have catalogs. Before we had this uh, system, everybody was uh, modeling some kind of um, anchors themselves and simply naming them with the correct names. So first of all, we we made these anchors that the anchors are already available to you. Uh, Next step was that um, uh, we need to somehow make it uh, work a little bit smarter. So what we did was that we eliminated this calculator task uh, where for the project we made a report all of the wall uh, uh cast unit properties were exported to an excel and then we calculated necessary anchor types in excel and then when the detailer need to do something in tekla like he looks at his panel he finds his panel in excel and reads what kind of answers are necessary and inserts them and uh then comes this automa- automation possibilities that uh, first of all, Grasper very easily uh, is capable of that with Grasshopper, you reference your thousand, two thousand, three thousand wall panels, and uh, Grasper reads the necessary values from Excel and inserts it in uh, tackle automatically this, these anchors. And then the last step is we don't even need this Excel. All of this calculation part was uh, also no, done uh, was done in Grasshopper, where we simply had one Grasshopper script. You select your whole model, all of the anchors are inserted and now when it is uh, we know the concept works it is good enough uh, we have recreated this, it as an application instead uh, of course uh, with this automation uh, you don't check thing, uh, you can't check things manually for you can't uh, solve all of the clashes possibly with dowels so uh, what we are doing we are inserting all of these anchors we, we don't have to worry about uh, is the tonnage okay is the resistance acceptable uh, but instead, uh, after a detailer only looks at uh, single panels and checks if there's any clashes with some other objects. And if there is, then it is very quickly to simply move move around the anchors a little bit. But uh, he doesn't have to worry about other steps as calculating the resistance and actually inserting it.
0: It's a very good example. And, and I think we could find uh, similar use cases more and more in Tecla how to use it. And, and uh, this point of... Uh looking the model as a whole model, it's uh, very good and, and looks, uh, gives time saving.
1: We are currently basically looking at uh, each type of uh, uh, action that you need to do with an element, like uh, insert anchors, insert reinforcement, insert uh, perimeter reinforcement, uh, insert uh, vertical or horizontal seams. We are looking at each of these actions and uh, creating workflows, how we can do this same action for the whole model at once. What I'm currently, so these anchors, they are already done. Uh, the next thing of, on agenda is uh, vertical seams between precast panels. And uh, here's a technical um, interesting thing is that we have to join it together with calculation model. But that is also like uh, figured out and we have successfully achieved that uh, we are matching together calculation model with our Tecla model. We are exporting from calculation model the forces in the seams, uh, calculating them and inserting necessary embeds in the tackle model. And that is done, uh, we can do it uh, in one attempt for roughly 80% of the model where we have normal regular vertical seams.
0: That's good that you mentioned about the calculation software's can you tell which kind of softwares to use and uh, how is the connection between Tecla, uh, like out of the box, Tecla with these softwares and and uh, what have you developed uh, or do you, have you developed something to make it better or what's your approach with the calculation softwares?
1: So uh, uh, we have two main calculation softwares, Global RFM and uh, StruSoft FEM design. And uh, for them, I would say that um, uh, techless uh, con- um, ability to convert from Tecla model to global RFM is good enough uh, out of the box. Uh, if you have, like, uh, we have internal guidelines how the Tecla model needs to be created, uh, where the beam axis needs to be located, and so in order for this uh, conversion to be successful. Uh, as well as we, we know uh, what situations are not converting uh, quite as good. And instead, we know that possibly there needs to be some very minor adjustments in the model. Uh, But uh, overall, the philosophy is that we only generate data once, and we don't generate it from scratch. So if we have generated information in Tekla that somewhere there's necessary columns, wall panels, slabs, and so on, we don't generate it again in global. Instead, we try to convert this information. But there are these minor adjustments. Uh, so I would say that out of the box, this functionality doesn't work as a live link. You can't uh, generate Tekla Tecla model, convert it to global, and if there are some changes in Tecla, that it would automatically also update your global model. Uh, instead, um, we convert it once, uh, and we hope uh, we uh, normally, when we know that there won't be major changes incoming, we, uh, we uh, stop the live link, and instead, uh, we move to the manual work in both models. It's, uh, some, if there's minor changes in Tecla model, we add these minor changes in uh, global model. Uh, but what we have done uh, as an additional tool an application is that it uh, checks uh, both of these models, matches them together, and uh, tells the user, are they the same? Since it's possible that there's some minor adjustments in Tecla that you haven't taken into account in uh, RFM. so maybe some. Uh, um, uh, how to explain uh, most popular thing is that the uh, uh, divisions of walls where the seams are located are changed because uh, for example suddenly you can the crane in the object is not large enough. you need smaller objects and so you change uh, where your seams are located in, in order to change the weight of the panels and uh, it's not uh, uh, these changes are not done in the stability model but it will it will uh, sometimes very heavily affect loads on foundations. And we have an application that notifies users about these things that there are some uh, uh, mismatches between these two models.
0: Your like Tecla development team has been quite busy, and and looks like they're doing a lot of things. Can you tell a little bit how big is the this development or support team, and, and what mostly they are doing? What are the tasks or focus points?
2: I will take. uh, uh this we can't like really, we shouldn't like separate development team from R&D team, just like simple like that. Uh, In total, I would say we have something between 20 to 30 people that are working uh, at some point with R&D. Because as Yannis said, the development of application is the last step. And uh, for development we have three to four people uh, on like, yeah, on, uh, on full time. but all other people are working uh, with this r and d stuff, with the components, with grasshopper and so on. So that actually, I think, is the major uh, force to move forward, because development is the last thing when everything is clear and understandable. The everything else is this R&D part where you have to figure out where's the problem, uh, where the engineering team is actually struggling, how to automate it and where should it work. Uh, and actually, can we work, for example, with these uh, integrations with the calculation software and do these information entities actually match. And when everything that is clear, then it's a like uh, uh then it's a specification for development team so in numbers most development team is well not that huge but that's the i think the 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 minor part is development of application. everything be- between uh in, um, before that is more important so in total, yeah, there's 20 to 30 people working with R&D. I mean, in whole, you could be facade, steel and concrete and so on. Can
0: you give me some like steps? So do you have a workflow for this kind of, let's say, development uh, tasks? Uh, maybe if somebody comes with some idea or or you start with finding the problems, how do you find the problems? or where can you improve? And then how goes the planning, because uh, as you, as I see from your uh, talk also here, that the planning, uh, great planning is much more worth than just starting doing. So how goes the before work?
2: I would separate like two main uh, themes for development. We have this, I would say, operational development, uh, which is... Uh, how to optimize or develop daily tasks. So actually, I mean, what, uh, how can we do the things we are doing even better or faster? But we are, uh, and, and there we have a development team, uh, which consists basically of engineering uh, personnel, and uh, they are uh, initiating these development projects. They understand. Okay, there's an issue. Can we solve it? And uh, and then there's a development project. And the other part is this uh, high level R and D where you look at the things uh, with uh, for the future. I mean, and it's kind of smaller team than the, the the first one, but they are looking uh, for the future and high level stuff. Uh, for example, if we look back, I don't know, like five years ago or more, then they were uh, playing around with Grasshopper. Now it's like daily stuff. Well, the, that, that high-level R&D team is not like considering uh, Grasshopper as something new. That's old news for them. They're lo- looking to other things at this point. And you ha- you, you, must have this uh, team who are looking a few years ahead. They're working with things that are not possible at this point of time, most probably. They are making uh, a lot of prototypes that are like proof. They're proving that technology work, but not in our workflow today, but maybe next year, maybe the year after that. And uh, regarding development planning, basically that's an agile process at this point because development team, Okay, they are experts for development and, uh, and all that stuff. But when you are developing for TechLab, well, you cannot, without engineering knowledge, do that. And uh, <laughs> the best case you have developer with the uh, engineering degree, but it's really <laughs> hard to find that people. So we have team with engineers and uh, developers, and they work close together to achieve this result. Uh, so yeah in agile processes yeah
0: you mentioned about the 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 smaller team that is uh, looking in in the future and and trying to uh, let's say make some crazy things do you know what kind of or uh, can you share what kind of some projects that uh, is going on or, or what do you think where where, where we future will go
2: well it's hard to like define something concrete because they're tinkering around with a lot of interesting things but not all of them like uh like develop as real projects uh there, there there's a lot of experience with machine learning for instance uh, can we uh, they're making proof of concepts for example one topic is machine learning can we use machine learning in uh, our industry and the answer is not clear actually because this industry is very precise and uh, when something says well 90 percent," it's like it's that well it's not enough so that team is working with that stuff uh they're working with uh, integrations of course uh at this point they're basically working more with the facade unit uh facade department because that's new, and uh, all these, and also calculations in that part. Uh, what else? Uh, maybe Yanis can elaborate more, since he's from that team, actually.
1: Uh, so um, I would say that um, the most, uh, at the same time, it's the most simple thing, and also the most complex things that we are doing is uh, uh, holes for the facade uh, aluminium profiles, that uh, you have this very detailed aluminium facade in Tecla. Uh, The model is very complex. You have roughly a million parts. And uh, what we are trying to figure out is how to get uh, with a push of a button that we get the profile from Tecla uh, to CNC automatically without other steps. And uh, currently, uh, there's partly a problem uh, how to get all of these holes in the, in Tecla. And it's a question of do we even want all of these holes in Tecla. Uh, currently, there's an export problem, so we are not creating these holes in Tecla. Uh, but with each year, it comes a time closer that Tecla will be capable of handling all of these additional lots of holes, like uh, something like uh, 20 holes per profile, additional holes. The Tecla will be capable of uh, that you will be able to add all of these holes and also export them. But uh, all of these holes add additional challenge for engineers that uh, there are often changes. They have to adjust the model and how to suddenly adjust millions of holes so that they are uh, still correct. And we have some kind of a tools that ensure that they are correct. You can't do it manually. And uh, we are testing out various workflows, how we can do it. Uh, do we uh, add these holes as uh, parts, and afterwards there's some kind of a tool that checks if these ho- tools, uh, holes are correct, or we add them as attributes, we check these attributes are they correct, and then we add these holes as external process after export from Tecla. We have some external applications that add these holes, and then we can um, deliver it to CNC. And um, of course, also the other thing, um, the other large thing as the is, arts mentioned, are calculations that uh, we have this manufacturing model, and then we have calculations, uh, which derive from the forces in the stability model. And this calculation results, they are some kind of reports, text information, and we need them as beam objects in Tecla. And how to correctly uh, match this information together, ensure that it is correct, check uh, afterwards, check if it is correct, and uh, actually uh, model. The things automatically in Tekla according to calculation results.
0: My next question is: uh, If your development team or this BIM uh, man- uh, managers team or this uh, higher level users are doing some kind of settings or n- new tools, then how you how you divide or give this share this information and these tools with uh, yeah. with other engineers and and um, yes, how you tell also when to use what tool? You mentioned also before that uh, you give some instructions what tools engineers should use. But for example, uh, for doing a mesh, there are different ways and different tools. Then how you give these recommendations? What tools to use? And and uh, what have you done? How is the communication?
2: Uh, I will. I can explain in uh, high level things, and uh, if it's necessary, then be honest, please comment. Uh, regarding documentation, of course, we have uh, a system with documentation. This, I'd say in English, like quality control. That's uh, uh, a documentation basically system for engineering uh, all these standards and so on. Where you can access it and get the latest uh, version of it. Uh, that's like, that's the one thing. Uh, I don't know. It's about like. Uh, there's a lot of documentation. Let's <laughs> say there's a. That's a huge uh, project uh, with the management and so on. And there's a special team who ensures that there's the latest information and the most accurate one. That's one thing regarding documentation. Uh, Regarding tools, we have internal synchronization uh, system. Let's call it that, where uh, where we upload every tool, every template, and everything else that that should be included in uh, engineering toolset. Also for Tecla, but not only. And uh, in th- in that system, we organize uh, engineering teams by, pro, by project by company and so on it's like uh, custom organize you can customly organize it and and then you assign these tools and tool sets for each team and then that is synchronized for with each engineer uh, engineer's computer and you have only on your computer things you should have in other words you don't have this huge catalog w- where you can't find what you need which, for example, components? Uh, which is the last one? Which is working at this point with my project? Because when you, uh, okay, Yanis can explain more detail maybe later. Uh, what's happening when you change the versions and uh, components in the middle of uh, in the middle of uh, project? So we have to stick with these versions, and someone should control it. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, the system is organizing who is having what and at what time. So we don't have this messy thing. And when the new uh, person is coming to a particular project as additional member, then it's basically with one button and he gets after a few minutes, every tool, every template and so on on his computer, and he can start working uh, with, uh, with a model. That's how we organize uh, the things in UPB regarding engineering team. That's the high level from me.
1: So this, uh, internal warehouse ensures that, uh, if, if any expert user generates some new template, uh, or, uh, attribute file, um, after 10 minutes, everybody will have in a specific folder on their computers, also this version of this file. Um, so, What I wanted to additionally mention for this is uh, we, of course, uh, uh, so we have these templates, we have these uh, developed plugins and so on. Uh, But of course, there's a problem that not all of the users know about their existence. So uh, some of the things that we are doing is uh, for plugins or for applications, uh, we are using analytics where we see how many people are using them. And uh, for example, we know that uh, how many, Drafters, we have. We know that we have a very good function for uh, drafters, and if there's less people than we have drafters using this application, then we send. Out, then we have to send out another notification that we have this function. You have to use it. Uh, so we have this analytics. Uh, another thing that we, uh, I think, we currently have paused. Paused doing it. But what we are doing previously was um, uh, we had. Uh, deployed an application that gathered all of the clicks that the users were doing with Tecla. And of course, independent functions don't give you any overview, but uh, you can develop markers so that you can see uh, how much time, on average, it takes for a user to create a Tecla driving for an element. And then when you have a larger data set uh, for all of the engineers, you can see maybe possibly some discrepancies. Why is one user so quick? why another user is so slow. Uh, We can see what kind of tools the faster user is using, and then advise the slower users that, uh, hey, check out these functions, these tools, that possibly they can help you. But of course, we have to look also in the context. Possibly this project has simply more complex elements in this. But that was another thing. And uh, I think the last thing that we started doing um, a year ago was uh, simply interviewing people. We have a uh, large spreadsheet about all of the uh, things that we have developed, the f- the components that you need to use, and uh, we simply interview people, go through this process. Do you know about this functionality? Yeah. Uh, do you use it? Yes. No, or you, it's not applicable in your day to day job, for example. And we have this spreadsheet uh, by roles for project engineers, for for designers, for modelers, and for drafters, for example. And this way we. We can see the overall situation, how it is that uh, possibly something is not gaining enough traction. We can send out another notification emails, since of course uh, the first announcement is always through emails that there is this new tool. It is automatically deployed to everyone, but nobody knows that it is deployed. Okay, they have this notification window, new tool installed. Nobody, (laughs) only some of the engineers read it, and uh, then we send an email uh, for some of the engineers of course it also goes straight to the spam folder (laughs) they simply delete it and uh, but this interview process uh, fully shows us uh, how many engineers by percentages know about the existence of the tools and they possibly during this interview they learn about the functionality of this tool
0: yeah quite many good uh, ideas I like this uh, tracking and taking the statistics analytics how how people are, different engineers are doing. How fast, what task they are faster and slower. I think um, these emails notifications are good, and and I would add that uh, in one company when I went to visit them and they wanted a Tecla audit, then they just uh, gave me one computer with access to the server. And the folder structure was uh, just so nicely done. There was a really small one-two page document on the side where something is. But uh, I think uh, one thing that many companies struggle is uh, to keeping order in their company fo- uh, folder system or system. But I can say that uh, if you have order in the file systems and these things, then it is uh, much easier for for. Users or so the engineers and and even random guy can command with uh, five minutes. They, it's so clear how everything works. I was amazed. Very good ideas. Yanni uh, is an artist. Uh, do you know or can you tell me? You mentioned about the engineers also and uh, new engineers then. Have you noticed uh, any kind of uh, mistakes that, uh, let's say like rookie mistakes, what, what are more common?
1: Well, my experience is new users are that they accidentally delete something and they don't notice that they have deleted something. That is very, very costly afterwards. Uh, but uh, overall, regarding uh, rookie mistakes, uh, one of the applications that we have developed is uh, uh, it's called Model Checker. Uh, I saw that you also have an application called Model Checker, (laughs) Uh, but um, so what is our Model Checker doing is uh, it's uh, either custom checks, uh, but uh, more it's meant as a modular system where you can set up any uh, attribute checks. And uh, within a part, you can check its attributes or properties. And using other setup systems, uh, we ensure that um, when you have modeled something, uh, we check if you have used the correct uh, concrete grades, if you have used the correct uh, uh, types and all of these um, uh, attributes that need to be added to the element. Uh, is the element acceptable for manufacturing? For example, for hollow core slabs, uh, new designers oftentimes make a mistake that uh, they make these slabs uh, too narrow or too short. That If there's some uncovered uh, space on the floor, they cut the whole, of course, lab in this place. But it's possible that it's not possible to manufacture such an element. And so we have this application uh, that uh, works on uh, automatically during the nights. Uh, it takes tackle models and goes through everything uh, according to preset uh, set of rules and checks if this model is correct. And this way, we eliminate. Uh, most of the rookie mistakes regarding that something is possible not to manufacture or its uh, attribute mistakes that uh, could break our, uh, that there's not correct data for our ERP system. Uh, but uh, on the, and also additionally, of course, we have this uh, uh, quality control that everything is checked uh, by at least one other set of eyes. If somebody has done it, uh, then uh, we have these uh, like uh checklists and they are not only like uh as uh, like outside bureaucratic process which you che- uh, quickly sign and push off but you actually have to go over and check these things uh and uh um th- they are in different levels for example there's always one the, one other, other person that checks your drawing and then there's like uh, additional person who checks every 10th of a drawing so it's possible that uh, at least two people have seen your your uh, end result before we uh, it's um, it gets delivered to the factory and so it's similar for all of the stages uh, calculation modeling drawings
0: quite good tips for for minimizing the minimizing uh, project errors uh, checking second pair or even third pair of five checking the, the work that has been done um, what do you have any any uh, tips? how to make things faster? You you mentioned uh, the two different automation tools, but uh, in Tecla wise, do do you have any tips?
1: Well, if you are modeling, uh, I would say so. Well, first of all, definitely learn the manual Tecla functions. Like if 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 you have just started working with Tecla, definitely master them. I still remember like when I just started for the first week, I had a project that wasn't an orthogonal project. It was like uh, uh, looking in plan. It was in an angle. And I didn't know how to set the work plane. And it uh, like a like basic tackle function, for example. Uh, and then a very high jump in productivity you can achieve if you learn to use parametric custom components. Like you have a lot of repeating connections that you don't model or copy each separate part or set of parts manually. But you make them as custom components, and uh, the next step is making the parametrics. There's uh, you can unlock so much functionality when you uh, master uh, the parametric custom components. How to add uh, formulas in, inside them, and uh, afterwards, of course, the last step is uh, working with Grasper with the whole model. You create your parametric custom component, but uh, in normal situation, you still have to insert it. Uh, Uh, by hand in each of the uh, instance, by by hand. For example, for curtain walls, if you're talking about um, uh, fillings, that you have your unitized element facade, you have your openings, and you need to add uh, some kind of a filling. Okay, You can develop parametric custom component where you select the contour of your beams and there's inserted filling which automatically stretches to the border of your opening. But then there's the next problem. You have 10,000 such openings in your model. And uh, well, you can try to do it by hand, by copying, but it will take a lot of time. And meanwhile, with Grasshopper, uh, if you master the Grasshopper, it takes roughly uh, half an hour for similar solution where you write a script, where you select your whole facade, and the script will insert these 10000 fillings at the same time. Of course, you afterwards, you have to ensure that you have taken care of exceptions uh, if there are some instances where you need, where you shouldn't have inserted this particular component. But yeah, these three things uh, master the basic functions, uh, master parametric custom components or tackle templates, and lastly, uh, mm, grasshopper or some, uh, uh, it doesn't have to be a grasshopper, but you need to learn some kind of a scripting method. You can go straight to the C-sharp if you're comfortable with that more. But grasshopper is a very easy, I would say, it it has a, a, Low level of entry compared to programming APIs. You can pick up a tutorial in a in a few hours. You can start doing amazing things.
0: Yes, I have heard myself also that uh, one weekend and basically you can do things with Cross Opera. Mm. And on the second hand, also times and times I see when I, when I go visit some company or some users then. I do something, I show something how to do and, and they pick up totally different for me, so basic things that, ah, oh, you can do like this also. Then this, it's like, uh, yeah. then they ask like, okay, what can you do more? And I'm say, say, asking like, okay, I don't know which kind of like tips or tricks or better usement. you know, uh, it's like,
1: what the, the main problem, you don't even know what you don't know. So you don't know what to look for. <laughs> But uh, when working with techly, like something seems like uh, repetitive, or like if it feels wrong, there's possibly it's it's definitely possible to automatize it, and it's possible that somebody has already done it, and you can find, look it up online. It's simply you need to have this uh, uh, drive to look for things to improve yourself, to find better methods how to do to, to do something.
0: Yes, that, that's my next question. How do how do you decide when it's reasonable to do it manually and when it's reasonable to start developing something and and how complicated is uh, new development to do we we can do really simple like uh, no parametric at all component or we can put uh, make really complicated that would suit for many situations and and put more time but this time costs money and engineering time so how you approach, which way to go, when to do any developmental components and, and how complicated to do it them?
1: So uh, on one hand, uh, we have a lot of statistics that uh, we know uh, where the engineers are spending their time. And so we are able to evaluate uh, how much we could save their time. Of course it's not, not always uh, as accurate in the end as we thought. Uh, the result will be like uh, but uh uh it's more uh I, first of all our our management is uh i would say we are lucky with our management um the heads of the upb that they uh heavily want to improve uh, develop new things that would help our engineers and so we have a lot of freedom that as arts mentioned previously we are capable of uh, uh creating uh, explore various uh, different ways where we could help and uh but uh the major thing is comparing it with this actually spent time and looking is uh uh if there's a lot of time spent how much time we could uh, save on this particular step and uh how much time it would take to develop some kind of a tool uh with grasshopper it is very quick uh, to develop uh, this concept if it takes more than a day, uh, it's already something very very complex. Then, but in most cases, uh, you can create some kind of a concept if you know how to use it with Grasshopper within a single day. Within, a, for example, previously mentioned lifting anchors uh, with Grasshopper, it was a simple problem. It took less than an hour. Take an Excel, take a Tecla model, insert in Tekla these um, particular anchors, for example, um, and then it's simply also uh, figuring out how much time it would take, for example, manually. But uh, for steps uh, where we can fully eliminate a modeling process and automatize it, it's um, almost like um, no discussions. We simply do it. And then it's also like, uh, of course, uh, looking, uh, uh, if we are saving time uh, for some of the things, uh, development time takes more than actually doing it by hand. Then we then we also evaluate. Okay, can we save this time in the several years afterwards? If you're using uh, for some things, uh, we are not saving time. We are enabling users to do something new, which wasn't even possible before this. Uh, I would mention
2: maybe from different side. Uh, the, the one thing is to, to understand is how to develop the process of, of information. I, I, what I mean is you can always create uh, one huge black box, which uh, does everything. And another thing is you can make a lot of uh, components and they work together, but it's it's not so seamless. Uh, the information does not flow so seamless. And But in one case, you have this one black box, which is like kind of working, but you're not sure how and why, No, well, basically, I mean, from the engineering point of view, uh, from the user's point of view. And the other case is when you uh, put together a lot of components, then you kind of understand what's happening. And from our experience, the second approach is uh, more reasonable because the maintenance and, and the trust of the process actually uh, is better. To, to, to work in that way. Uh, of course, if, if there's a simple, you have to just put some kind of... Uh, if you use the grasshopper to put some kind of information in Tecla, well, well, that's simple enough. And it's, I'm not talking about that kind of problems. But for example, if you are integrating two softwares, maybe some calculations in between, then there's the big question how to how do we do that? Do we make one grasshopper, the second grasshopper, then Excel in between? And then something—it's not so beautiful solution, but you can always cross-check the results and, and understand what's happening. And in, from our, we, we tried both ways <laughs> in our uh, R&D years. And I would say the second approach, where you put these steps together as a separate modules, it, these projects tend to be more successful in a long term. Of course, in the end, when the process is uh, tuned and everything is fine, then you can always put that together with uh, and put something around like an envelope, which is uh, some uh, server-side application or a desktop application or tackle plugin, whatever. But you should you should probably be cautious when you are studying. and you sh- probably shouldn't do that at the first. Should stick stick to these modular steps. Uh, when the process is, I would say, complex. More complex than putting attributes in your model. So
1: Regarding this uh, enabling users to do something else, um, uh, uh, I, I remember the good example. Uh, so for example, uh, I need to insert these vertical themes in the model. Uh, I have my wall panels. I have this data to insert them. Uh, but the problem is that uh, I need to somehow recognize where are what type of connections. Uh, for example, for straight while vertical connections, I need to add, use one set of attributes. And for the corner connection, I need to use a, uh, use different uh, set of attributes. And For me, at the beginning, it took a lot of time to simply uh, mathematically uh, describe these things in Grasshopper, that you select the whole model and how to filter particular set of places. Where are the corners? Where are the straight connections? And uh, there's also other things like horizontal connections, uh, um, shear keys, and so on. And we developed an application called Connection Classifier where users can write their mathematical set of rules how to determine what kind of connection it is. And uh, uh, how it works, you select the whole model. The application finds pairs of elements that are near each other. It will find a pair of walls that are in a corner connection, and it will find a pair of walls that are in the straight connection and it will find for each part uh it will find uh, depending how you can select it but roughly there will be eight other panels nearby it. Uh, and you simply uh, play around with the distance how far to search for a neighboring uh, element and it can be anything wall to wall wall to beam uh wall to slab beam to slab and so on and then with mathematical criteria, you can describe what is your connection uh, for example, first of all, you determine angle needs to be 90 degrees. If it is 90 degrees, it falls into corner connection. If it is a straight uh, 0 or 180, it will be a straight connection and so on. Uh, for example, ver- vertical overlap. If the vertical overlap is at least two meters, it is like a straight connection. If it is a zero, it's like this, this is not a connection. And so on using mathematical criteria, uh, we generate a report with uh, pairs of elements, or possibly even uh, more elements joined together in one single space, and what kind of a connection there is between them. And using this tool, it has enabled me uh, to do anything that I want to do with tackle model. I can take the Tackle model, uh, classify all of the connections within this model, and then use this report to insert these connections in the relevant spaces, where I know where will be the straight spaces, I know where will be the corbel spaces. And this tool works modularly for anything, uh, for precast panels, uh, for aluminium facades, finding a particular connection. For example, in stick facades, uh, we had a requirement. I had to find a vertical stick joined together with a horizontal stick, a connection like this. Visually, it is very easy to find it, but describing it mathematically on your own for the whole model, it's. Uh, orders of magnitude more complex. While with this uh, application, I simply take it, quickly get the report of uh, 3,000 places where this particular connection in my model is, and then uh, quickly use Grasshopper to automate insertion of some kind of a custom component. And uh, it it again enables users, uh, it lowers the barrier of entry to successfully use Grasshopper in your projects to automate them
0: sounds really awesome soon we don't have to do nothing just click the insert the connections and put the embeds automatically and all the building will blah, 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 come up there
1: yeah well the problem is always those other 20 percent, which are some complex joints that you simply can't uh, automate it's not worth it to automate them into the manual
0: what do you think what will happen outside of our engineering offices? Uh, inside our engineering offices we have this kind of uh, uh, very awesome Decla 3D 2 uh, TV models uh, filled with I- different kind of information. Uh, but outside of uh, our engineering offices, there are a couple of steps behind uh, what do you think uh, what will happen? Outside of our engineering offices, in our in in the future, next uh, five, 10 years, where this BIM will go and uh, in construction sites or in in construction general management. Or...
1: Well, I'm waiting for augmented reality to become precise enough. Currently, there's uh, uh, you can generate the BIM model, uh, exported to IFC, and in theory, you can place. Uh, this beam model anywhere where you want to, and through uh, HoloNet, HoloLens or some other uh, interface, you can visually see how it looks like. And it would be, for example, very good uh, looking in factory where you have your precast panel reinforcement already placed in. And before uh, pouring in concrete, you check with augmented reality if everything is in place. Uh, but at least currently, the tolerances are not good enough that if you Move around the table; it will slowly shift uh, by a noticeable distance. For example, uh, not to mention talking. If you want to walk around the building through different floors, uh, 100 meters uh, there and back again. And I see here for quality control, it would be a very large boost in the near future. Yeah,
2: one, uh, as far as we could go, we were, we managed to. kind of automatically export IFC files for each panel. And then uh, through our uh, ERP system, we synchronize, uh, kind of synchronize it with the manufacturing plan and put these specific uh, IFC files on a specific computer which which is located in the factory. And this how do you call it, the assembly team? No, it's not assembly, it's who, who's building the team, uh, building the house, uh, building, but in a factory, the guys who is putting the rebars and details, in-cast details inside, uh, they can always check uh, this specific wall or panel in uh, Trimble Connect, and uh, to see how it actually is looking in 3D, because these two D 2D, uh, 2D drawings, not always are uh, understandable if it's uh, some difficult uh, panel, uh, but of course this 3D stuff is uh, is uh, um, augmented reality is interesting. But we tried actually with uh, Trimble Connect to do to try it out, and yeah, this the precision is uh, well they have to work on it, and uh, yeah that's one thing, but uh, but next thing is outside the modeling engineering is, I think, is what to do with this detailed information, what engineers are generating, because it usually it gets like uh, you have to strip a lot of information because traditional, most uh, still traditionally you make 3D, uh, 2D drawings and work with them. Okay, it, it, it's kind of getting better time uh, year by year, but anyway, the, a lot of manufacturers work with two D drawings, and uh, on site you are using also two D drawings. And then it's the big, big question: why do we use tagline in the first place? Because everybody else is like flooding flooding in that, and and we lose a lot of information. And I think in next next few years we should. Uh, We should keep using uh, all this uh, rich information we are getting from Tecla. Uh, I mean, to the factory, also to the construction site and so on. So, uh, I I, I mean, uh, with using, I mean the seamless uh, experience. Of course, you can somehow do it, uh, but it's not seamless as you could imagine.
0: That's good artist that you mentioned also your ERP system and this kind of like how to use this information. I, I see this uh, also, it's a big thing that we have this information, but we should use it more outside of the offices in in fabrication, logistics, in, in installation or assembling. And uh, actually we are planning uh, to do a separate session for, um, for Alto 4.0 ERP system, and uh, I have seen the demo, and uh, it was really cool. And I w- I'm really eager of doing this uh, session only about this Alto 4.0 ERP system because it's a really awesome tool to to where you can take a lot of um, ideas and and see see how to use this kind of information. So guys, uh, our time is uh, getting over. Do you have any last words, recommendations, or, or wishes?
1: Never stop improving yourself. Like uh, uh, at uh, any point, you should have a uh, some drive to try to learn something new in what you do. And it, it, since it's a, it's like investing in yourself for the future that you will become better. Like. You don't have. Oh, it's uh, very hard, of course, to do it uh, immediately. But at least set some kind of goals that next year you will, next week, next month you will learn something new.
2: And from me, I would mention that we should keep improve our, our digital level, since uh, our industry is <laughs> uh, kind of lagging behind everyone else, kind of, and uh, so we should more introduced di- digital solutions on work with data as, uh, and to, to, to imp- uh, to raise the bar of our industry. So, so we are more efficient in, uh, in a sense of digitalization. And then when, when, uh, we will work a mo- kind of smarter and faster than, uh, we will, open up a lot of uh, possibilities to work uh, in, next, in, in, in a higher level and then, then everyone will benefit from it. Thank you guys
0: for, for your time and, and sharing your knowledge, your, your best practices and all the information. And for listeners who are watching this podcast then I recommend to go check out the UPB webpage UPB. Tot uh, elve or follow them also in social media, YouTube. You can find uh, UPB Facebook and also in LinkedIn UPP. Uh, so they are posting quite a lot of good uh, information, or they are posting uh, regularly and uh, a lot of good, uh, interesting videos or other kind of information. If you like this episode and would like to get more of this kind of information and good content, then follow us also in YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. In LinkedIn is my personal profile. Maybe better Stan Dudak in other places. Uh, look for TS Guide and uh, follow us to get notifications if, if we come out with some new article or new podcast episode. Uh, I hope it was uh, useful for you. You got a lot of uh, information and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.